Tobacco Road Sports Radio is so excited to be your home for Triad Sports. I'm so excited! I'm so excited! We heard you loud and clear. Our mission is to give you what you want. You know what I want. I've been asking for it for years. Give it to me. Give me what I want. The best sports talk in live sports in the triad, period. What's up, everybody? Live from Brandon Blake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Score once again with Brett Wiseman. Hello and welcome back to the Pit Stop here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Welcome back to Franchise Players, your home for triad sports coverage. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And if you think that's great, wait until you see what's next. It's going to be good. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Tune in at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And don't forget to download the new Roku channel, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Charlotte out of timeout. Nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, Corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to the score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Welcome to another edition of The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the infamous James Wilson. J-Dub, the NBA draft went about as we expected until we got to Toronto's pick, and then things got a little bit surprising. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, uh, your first three players selected on the board that night Nobody really expected it to go a different way with Cade Cunningham going first. A really, really talented kid. I think he's going to be one of the best point guards coming out of the NBA and have one of the better transitions to the NBA that we've seen in a very long time. Um, we're talking four or five years here. I'm not saying he's going to be some super uh, superstar one day, but I really do think he'll be good um, and, and quite good right off the bat and have a, a, have a lamello ball type effect. And then Jalen Green goes to Houston. Uh, that's a vital draft pick for Houston, uh, a team that is probably looking to get right back to where they once were. Um, we got to keep in mind for those who don't know, but the city of Houston hasn't really struggled um, for for long periods of time uh, with success and with the Rockets organization uh, for about 20 years, right? They've been pretty talented or better or champions uh, for about 30 years, and then Evan Mobley, Going to Cleveland, again, no surprise there, but you're exactly right. And then I'll let you take it off from here, but Toronto kind of kind of shocked us all with what their decision was. Yeah, their, their pick was, look, I mean, it shocked everybody. Um, where they went with it, you know, like you said, we, we fully expected things to go as, as they did one, two, three. And look, Houston made a great decision. We'll, we'll get to what the Hornets did in a little bit. 
um, because I, I feel like Mitch Kupchak might have had his best draft yet, if if not one of them. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that in a second. Toronto's pick though just stunned me, stunned everybody. I mean, we'll we'll talk about winners and losers here in a second as well. But but Scotty Barnes to go ahead of of Jalen Suggs, where everybody everybody in the basketball world had Jalen Suggs pitted to go number four. Um National Player of the Year candidate last year, national champion with Gonzaga. Scotty Barnes goes ahead of him. There's a theory out there that the the Toronto native thing had a lot to do with it, but I mean, can, can you and I sit here and honestly say that that Scotty Barnes is the better overall player than Jalen Suggs? I don't think we can. You know, I have a tendency when it comes to the NBA draft to look at these players and uh, I give them two windows. I give them the uh, 35-game window. I want to see how good they are after 35 games, and then I want to see how good they were after the full season. I really struggle with uh, making accurate predictions on uh, college and European players and anybody who comes over from any sort of level that isn't the NBA uh, or the NBA G League, which we we actually did uh, see some guys from the G League get drafted tonight or last night um excuse me (laughs) but I don't necessarily think Toronto is dumb enough to count in the the fact that he's from there nearly as much as they might think no I I don't think so either but I can't sit here and honestly tell you that Scotty Barnes is a better overall player than Jalen Suggs I might be proven wrong but I can't think of a better reason I I can't either um the hope was that Jonathan Kaminga would fall to Charlotte. That was blind hope. He got taken at seven by Golden State. Great pick there. Uh, I feel like a sleeper pick in the top ten, Franz Wagner out of the University of Michigan going to the Orlando Magic. He was a tremendous big man in the Big Ten for Michigan for four seasons there. Uh, pretty Really, really good pick there. Davion Mitchell to the Kings is going to be good. But let's talk about the Hornets picks, plural. Um, James Booknight, a a, a lot of Hornets fans out there that might not be as knowledgeable as you and I don't like the pick because it's, oh, he's another guard, yada, yada, so on and so forth. He's not just a guard. He's a very versatile 2-3 combo, and he's a lights-out shooter, which are two things that Charlotte desperately needed. Yeah, I think you've got to keep... Keep in mind the fact that what I believe he'll be able to come in and do is be one of the Martin twins, but better. Exactly. Look, the 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 issue with the Martin twins, and they, they were similar to that position-wise, the issue with the Martin twins was shooting. It was inconsistent. James Booknight, his entire time at UConn, was consistently a top-five three-point shooter in the Big East and a top 25 three-point shooter in the entire country. That's hard to pull off. That shows you how consistent a shooter he was. And he's also a pretty versatile guy that can play that 2-3. He's also a better defender than either of those Martin twins. That's not anything against either of those guys. James Booknight is longer. He's lengthier. He's more versatile. He's a little bit quicker. He's a better shooter and thus a better defender. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that people um, are really looking at this the right way. We were able to get two close to lottery picks, and, and I think most people 
that are either with the Hornets or know the Hornets or, or know Kai Jones, they understand that he was going to be a lottery talent regardless. So for him to have fallen to 19 was, was the best thing that could have happened. And for him to still be sitting there enticed Mitch Kupchak, I think to trade back into the first round. And he didn't really give up a whole lot to, to, to get that. I mean, you, you, you said it Two lottery caliber guys, one of which fell the 19th. Not enough people are talking about how good this Kai Jones pick is. This kid was fantastic at Texas. I mean, carried that program for the past two seasons and for him to come into a, a guard room where you've got, you've got a Devonte Graham, you've got a Terry Rozier. He's another guy that, that can really play either of those two guard spots. He's six, three. He's got good size. He's got great quickness. He's got good handles. He can shoot. Look, when you add him to that guard tandem of, of, of Graham and Rozier and the problem, and LaMelo, of course, how'd I forget him? But when you add him to that trio, it, it makes that guard room even more complete. And that's the kind of thing that we talked about all last season was, okay, when LaMelo went down and Devontae and Terry were down for, for spurts of time, it was, okay, who's the guy? Now Kai Jones is going to be that guy in the event that that happens again. Mitch Kupchak had that in mind when he traded back into the first round to get him. Absolutely. I don't think people are really realizing how little we gave up to get how much we got back. We're also able to get a center. We were able to trade for a veteran center who's going to be just enough and on a reasonably, actually, I think a pretty team-friendly deal. So It is a really team-friendly contract. Um, the, talking about the Mason Plumley deal, in case anyone missed it, um, the Plumley deal, he's got two years left, about $9 million left on it. So yes, I mean, I love that. I, I that's, love that, the, that's, what he's that's doing very, that money. That's very team-friendly. And look, we're paying him less than we're paying Cody Zeller right now. So, I mean, well, it's I a win-win it's right there. To, it's going to do exactly what I think um, a lot of people wanted was to get it to the point where we're going to have multiple centers who – all could theoretically start, and it challenges all the other centers to play harder, try harder, practice harder, uh, fight for more rebounds, and, and and really just take control of the paint, right? Because that's what it's going to do. When you have all this talent in one position, you have a position battle. I mean, we see this in other sports, um, and the reason we don't see it necessarily as much in basketball is because it's becoming positionless, but still, I don't think that that's something that many teams are going to take advantage of anytime soon, but I think Charlotte's going to make it work wonderfully. Yeah, absolutely, and here's the other thing. There's another pick that no one's talking about here. It's the second-round pick that Charlotte also traded up to get. Uh, that would be Scotty Lewis right. out of the University of Florida. Another lights-out shooter. Averaged, not not high averages in college, but he's a great defender. He's a good shooter. Um, JT Thor was another guy that the Hornets traded up, that the Hornets actually got from that Plumlee trade. JT Thor's a sizable guy, 4-5 combo, out of Auburn University. Um, and when you pair him with, with in that Plumlee trade, that's another situation in which you got a lot more than you had to give up. 
Yeah, I think uh, Mitch Kupchak, he does such a good job of giving up just as little as he feels that he needs to, right? That's the kind of the thing what, and a lot of people don't even remember, Rich Tro, he didn't make a lot of trades, but a lot of the trades he would do, he'd get himself into this point that I think a lot of guys who want to be, the want to be 2K GMs, they'll do this, right? Where they'll target a player, they'll target an asset, and they'll make an offer, and then they'll kind of just let the other team haggle with them until they end up giving too much because, meanwhile, while they've been lost in the sauce and just absolutely enamored by the asset they're trying to get, they haven't realized just how much the other team has convinced him to give up. And that's the exact thing that Mitch Kupchak has done a great job of, of, of not doing, especially people seem to think that... Um, and we, well, I know I, I talk about this all the time. I'm the biggest whiner about this on your show in history, but small market, right? People think they can bully small markets, not just in every in every aspect of the game, uh, but the trade market as well. So I think it's good to see a small market like Charlotte saying, well, we don't need, we'll just not take this trade, bro. We're going to take a trade that we like or we're not going to take it. That's how it works here. And that's exactly what Charlotte should be doing as long as it is, is with every other uh, small market team, right? Small markets are on top. We have to keep in mind the reigning NBA champions are a small market team, one of the smallest. So, And, and look, look, that is something that Mitch Kupchak did or has done that Rich Cho absolutely 100% failed to do was overpay for guys, whether it was contractually or through the trade route. Right. Mitch Kupchak has been very frugal in both of those in those forms in both of those areas and has I think just done a fantastic job in in the draft in in all his drafts here. I mean, you look at the Malik Monk pick, you look at the Bridges pick, the Washington pick, Devontae Graham in the second round, uh the Rozier for Kemba trade has worked out much better than any of us thought it would. I don't think Mitch Kupchak is getting enough credit for how frugal he has been in both those areas. Absolutely. I think we need to start to take in mind that with the whole Kimba trade, um, which it technically wasn't a trade, we need to keep that in mind. I get sick of casuals saying, well, why'd you trade Kimba? Yes, it was a trade. Right. It's, technically, it's technically a trade, but it was it was a free agent swap, exactly. so to speak. It, he was going to sign there. Um, that was one of those situations where a free agent and another free agent were going to switch to each other's team, and trades just make it a little bit easier. Uh, you can handle, and literally, some of the some of the reason you go you ever do that, and this is just a stupid fun fact that I've learned through my experience talking uh, uh, with with very very uh, nobody guys in the NBA, is that it's just paperwork. Dead serious. You'll sign these contracts, and it's easy for paperwork. Um, it saves some time, right? If Kimba's going to catch a flight to Boston, might as well sign all these papers before he gets onto the plane. And that's sometimes just as simple as it gets. But there are some other uh, some ways to get traded around. But I think Charlotte's done an, aggressive, an, an incredible job, right? And, Brett, I hate to kind of hijack your show here, but talking about trades, I think there's a pretty big one on the horizon that I haven't really gotten your opinion on at all. Oh, yeah. That that would be the one that went down between the Lakers and the Wizards. I want to get your thoughts on it first, though, as an NBA expert. I mean, this is the, the blockbuster of the century, so to speak. Right. I, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I didn't necessarily see this one coming. Um, I was at my work, and uh, l- luckily the place I work, there is oh, tons no of one saw this. No <laughs> one saw this coming. Um we were in the booth preparing to go on air for right. 
uh, the Carolina Disco Turkeys and our good friend Graham Tuck had uh, Shams and Woj tweet notifications on, and both of them tweeted at about the same time that there was something in place. And then just over the next 45 minutes, things just snowballed, and suddenly Westbrook and a first-round pick go to the Lakers for Harrell, Kuzma, KCP, and God knows how many draft picks. Right, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I think the Lakers did win this trade. I think it's going to make 100%. them better. 100%. They, the they, they gave up a really pretty good point guard in KCP. They gave up a pretty good forward in Kuzma. But, but those in are the two end, guys they've been shopping for a year. Exactly. They gave up, in, in, in a sense, three role players. And Montrezl Harrell, hours before that, picked up his player option, in, in a sense, so he could be in that deal. So in, in, in a way, they gave up essentially three role players for a superstar to add with LeBron and Davis, and now there's a new big three in L.A. But what does this take away? What, the, the major takeaway for me is that uh, it's going to take away something, and that's going to be that's going to be pressure. You have a guy, a dog like Russell Westbrook, who can then come in and say, all right, look, tonight's going to be my game. LeBron, AD, take a chill pill. With the two with the two way duo in LA, and obviously they have won a title already. Um, the problem is your best player is a little bit older, and he can only do it. He can only do so much for so long. And then your other best player is a bit more fragile. He seems to have a, a pretty weak frame. He gets injured all the time. Russell Westbrook hasn't had most of those issues. He has had a slight injury history, uh, but most of that's because Patrick Beverly just absolutely dive bombed into his knee one time in the playoffs. So. I don't know that that's necessarily Russell Westbrook's fault, but that's going to be that's going to be the perfect balance, right? What I always used to say about the Golden State Warriors and the reason they were so good was because on any given night you have three players who can score 40 points. 40, 50, who cares, whatever. Uh, and it allows the other guys to not feel like they have to worry so much, and it allows them to almost enjoy playing more. And if you're enjoying what you're doing more, you're going to do it better. Yeah, exactly. And again, I, I don't think the Lakers gave up too much in this scenario as to what they're getting back. And you're also putting Russell Westbrook in a scenario where he doesn't 100% have to be the guy. Right. He had to be the guy in OKC. He pretty much had to be the guy in Houston because yeah. James Harden had all but given up. He had to be the guy in Washington because Bradley Beal was hurt for half the year. And next best now you're putting him in a scenario where he's with two of the best players in the league right now and Davis and LeBron James. He doesn't have to be the guy. Right. He could go out there and, and very much kind of fall back to what he did when Kevin Durant was in Oklahoma City. Except this time there's a true big three because in that case James Harden was already gone. And I, I hate to say it, but we're going to see this point in which right now they're going to take away from the Lakers and say Russell Westbrook, all this, all that, saying, oh, he sucks, this. But those same people who don't like LeBron James are going to come back when they start winning game after game after game and saying yeah, it's a super team. That this is the cycle. This is what you're going to get with LeBron James haters. Okay, you're going it's to see that. Of, it's a wheel of excuses, right? Absolutely. And I hate to say it, but Washington gave up just, uh, just a hair too little um, for Russell Westbrook. I would have asked for just a bit more and seen if you could squeeze the Lakers. And the Lakers might have said no. But um, at the end of the day, I would have tried for just a bit more. 
Yeah, 100% with you on that. When we come back, uh, we'll get into some more offseason news with NHL free agency and Major League Baseball's trade deadline is heating up and then some. All that and more when we come back here on The Score. The specials never stop at Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. Every day, you get a large two-topping pizza for only $11.99. On Sunday, watch football and enjoy our large one-topping pizza and 10 wings for only $17.99. Plus lunch specials every day of the week. Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Charlotte out of timeout. Third, nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, Corks went into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to The Score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the one and only James Wilson. Uh, Before we get into MLB trade deadline stuff, we'd be remiss if we did not mention um, the Carolina Hurricanes and their moves in free agency, which are questionable, to say the least. I feel like they shirt up the goalie position pretty well. However... Um, you know, re-signing Jordan Martinuk, really good move too, but the Tony D'Angelo signing with the wealth of defensemen that were out there, not only talent-wise, but you think about what Tony D'Angelo brings in terms of baggage from everything that happened to him with the Rangers. There's a lot of fans that have either nuked their season ticket memberships or have, you know, voiced their displeasure with this signing, with how they feel about Tony D'Angelo. I don't know that if I was a Hurricanes fan, I'd go that far, but I also don't know how, in good faith, for your for your franchise and for your locker room overall, you could bring in somebody like that that carries that much with him. Yeah, I'd say the thing with Tony D'Angelo is he's played in the big market, he's played for a couple other teams before, but... Uh, You've got to be really careful in a small market with who you decide to bring in. Um, Raleigh is, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'd say it's likely the smallest market in the entire NHL. Um, other than I, other than Winnipeg, yeah, probably. And, and the thing with Winnipeg, yeah, Winnipeg is definitely uh, a smaller market than that. I, I can't believe I completely forgot about that one, but it's still Canada, so that that definitely has something to do with it. But if you're the Hurricanes, I think you have to realize just how much. Uh, pressure there is to keep a, a locker room that's together and that's happy. And uh, mass turnover is, regardless of who you decide to fill that with, um, so a, a D'Angelo type, 
I don't necessarily care about the personality or anything like that. I think mass turnover in and of itself with a small market, uh, especially especially hockey, right? That that is a game. When the only guy, the only character guy from your core group, the playoff appearances the past three seasons that you bring back for the most part is Jordan Martinook, right? Um, and Andrei Svechnikov is still out there as a restricted free agent, unsigned. So he's going to get an offer sheet from somebody at some point. They've got to lock him up. Dougie Hamilton's gone to New Jersey. Um, both their goaltenders are gone. Frederick Anderson bringing him in. Auntie Ranta, both great signings. I love what um, the Hurricanes did there with, with the goalie position. But, I mean, the Ethan Bear trade, really, really good move uh, to move a depth forward in Warren Fogle. But... Outside of that, I mean, there's a lot that, I mean, you just take into that pretty much your entire core group for the past three seasons has been shuffled around with the exception of, of Niederreiter. Svechnikov is not guaranteed to come back. The only guys that are guaranteed to come back really are Niederreiter, Tara Vinen, and Aho and, um, you know, Jacob Slavin and a few of the other defensemen. Other than that, there is a lot, there's a lot of moving parts in that locker room. You know, I really worry about um, what what exactly is going to be going on uh, in that team, in that organization. This is a team that we thought would have been able to go and win the Stanley Cup. We even had some media members from that team on your show, Brett. And uh, here we are having to, I mean, not even, I don't even, uh, yeah, it's more than one month. But weeks later, we're talking about the absolute abysmal decisions that they've been making back to back to back to back. Uh, giving up a, a, a what I thought was a really good prospect between the pipes only a couple of years into his career. Um, I, I, I know really it's for the rookie of the year, this. and you end up trading him for nothing. And I, I, I think if you're Carolina, you are eyeing the fact that Ben Bishop doesn't really seriously want to stay with Dallas. Um, obviously, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't keep up with the NHL nearly as much as Brett does, but I do keep up with my own team, and it, it looks like that relationship is souring. And I, I'm not going to lie. I think most teams that need a, a, a primary goalie, we're talking a 60-game-a-year goalie, they want Ben Bishop because he's going to be good enough, and I think he'll go somewhere else, a Carolina, um, for a good deal, for a pretty good deal. I don't think he'll be the kind of guy, uh, uh, Tavares, to say, oh, I want the biggest money, I want NBA money. Um, well, sorry, but I think Carolina's eyeing Ben Bishop. I think, I know this is crazy, but I, I really do see this coming. I, I see this from a long time away. There are still a ton of good, unrestricted free agents. Right out there right now. Well, I also think uh, Tarasenko can bring talent to a team, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. And this is your, no, you're, you're good. Level, but- and, 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 and I wanted you to bring this up because speaking of, of uh, souring relationships, every day that Vladimir Tarasenko is not traded, his value depletes greatly. It's uh, 100%. To become, it's starting to become a, a, an albatross for St. Louis. Exactly. Every day he's not traded is bad. And I mean look at the guys that are that are left here on this list. I mean Tuka Rask is still out there for for goodness sakes. I mean That's ridiculous. David Krejci, the centerman for the Bruins is still out there. Brandon Saad was available until yesterday when the Blues nabbed him. So they got one of their uh top 6 guys which I feel like they need one more. Tomas Tatar from the defending uh Runner-up of the Stanley Cup, the Canadians. Eric Stahl, also of the Canadians, he's still out there. Sammy Votnin, a, great, a good defenseman, he's still out there. 
Uh, Bobby Ryan, the winger. Zidane Char of all people, is still out there at 42 years old. He's still a good fit for somebody. Travis Sajak, Joe Thornton, they're still out there. Matias Janmark's still out there. And, I mean, then we move down to the list of restricted free agents. Brady Kachuk, Ilya Sorokin, Igor Shosturkin, Andre Svechnikov, Carter Hart, Ilya Samsonov. There's a ton of good goalies on that list and a ton of good forwards as well. Um, there are still a lot of good pieces out there that teams could go after. Uh, but, you know, the, the two guys on the trade block, so to speak, are Tarasenko and Jack Eichel. And um, Tarasenko, I think more so than Eichel, is, is beginning to command less value because of the disgruntledness he has in that locker room. And when you talk about... When you talk about how much... Uh, you're asking for is in terms of how much a team would give up. It's um, it, it diminishes greatly every day that 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 he's still there. Yeah, absolutely. I, the one guy that you pointed out that really bothers me still being on the market is is Tukarask. Tukarask is a tender that I've liked for basically. I mean, as long as I've been liking hockey, I've always considered him to be one of the best, and he has had some pretty piss poor seasons um, playing in Boston. But for the most part, he's been one of the best. He's been one of my favorites. And I think we have to keep in mind, he's only 34. He's definitely going to be good for another six years, maybe, hopefully. Um, so I don't necessarily see exactly why he would be on the market. These teams are looking for goalies, and yet there are goalies ready to go. And, uh, well, they're not there. Nobody wants to draft them. Or, excuse me, nobody wants to sign them. So what's going on here? I, I, I think you've got a lot of, a lot of decisions that are taking too long to be made. A lot of decisions that most people that I would call smart um, would know better and know, let's let's just go. Let's, let's just go ahead and sign this guy, that guy, and the other guy. Let's make this trade. Let's do what we need to do. Um, these, these very slow-moving front offices are, are, are starting to plague the entire National Hockey League, and I think you've really got to be careful with that. You you really do. You have to be wary of that. Um, as for Major League Baseball and the trade deadline, which, as of recording, has not passed, but once this show airs, will have. Um, there are a number of trades that have gone down already. Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo both to the New York Yankees. Kyle Schwarber to the Boston Red Sox. Um, the biggest one, though, the blockbuster of all blockbusters, Trey Turner and Max Scherzer for the Washington Nationals to the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, sending a message to the rest of that NL West that the Dodgers are not playing around. Right, and this is what we've been talking about. We said this was going to happen. Uh, we didn't necessarily say that it would be Max Scherzer himself. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I did see other talent maybe being the ones that are going to get shipped off, but the, the thing is, the Dodgers, they lost a half-decent pitcher in Trevor Bauer due to, well, stupid reasons, okay? Well, it was a bullpen that was still very strong, but part of the thing with staying good is keeping keeping what you have going, going, right? Um, the Dodgers, in my opinion, won the World Series with a pretty decent bullpen. Um, I wouldn't say their hitting was out of this world, right? They, they never were, were hitting bombs. They just got the best starter on the trade block, period. And somebody that wasn't even on the trade block, really, until he got looped into things. Right. Um, 
the Nationals even traded Kyle Schwarber too. So, I mean, Juan Soto is all they have left, and it's not like they're out of the NL East race either. I mean, they've decided to go full sell mode when they're six, seven games out. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They also traded their uh, their best reliever, Daniel Hudson, to the Padres. I mean, they they are just they're selling the farm right now. Yeah, I'm not really sure what's up with the Nationals, but but I can tell you this: the Dodgers don't want to be in the position where they get to um, a pennant race and and, and lose it um, for nothing or lose it in a close one, right? They want to come back and they want to be good because I think a lot of people in Los Angeles were, were hungry for titles. Uh, football hasn't necessarily been that good to them. Uh, the Kings haven't won a lot. Uh, I don't remember what was it, 2013. They had this magical run. Uh, 12, 12 and yeah, back-to-back Stanley Cups, 12 right. and 13. Um, so you've got two sports. Um, that means to them, hey, look, we want to win in baseball. We want to win in basketball. That's what they've got going on right now. Um, and I think the Dodgers are... Mentality are is, is we, we want to win a legit World Series, so to speak. They want to get rid right. of that notion that the only reason they won it was a shortened season and an expanded postseason. They feel like they want to win a legit World Series. Well, I think this is the best way to do it is to come back and do it again. Um, it's harder to win another title after you've already done the first one in every sport um, for countless reasons, uh, one of which um, Bill Simmons calls the secret. But um, you've really got to be careful with that. Uh, one trade that literally just went down is uh, the Barrios. Right. Um, that's a big one. To the Blue Jays, too. And and you talk about where the, the ALE stands right now with the Red Sox on top of it. They go out and get Kyle Schwarber. The Yankees go out and get Rizzo and Gallo. The Blue Jays, I think, at the time of recording, they're still going to go after one more bat. They need another bat um, with an already powerful offense. But to compete in that division, they're going to need another bat. But to go out and get Jose Barrios for you know, what they gave up, which is not the biggest prospect hall known to man here, um, they get their top-line starter that they also needed to compete here. There are four teams in the AL East that could easily win that division now after today, depending on what the Rays do. The Rays are still in on Trevor Story from the Rockies. We'll see how that plays out, but they went out and got Nelson Cruz, and they went out and shirt up their bullpen as well. So Tampa Bay is not out of it by any stretch of the imagination either. Um, the Brewers go out and get Eduardo Escobar, uh, the switch-hitting master from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Underrated move. That, that all but shures up them in, in, in the central. Right. Um, Very underrated and the, move. The, the return is just in for Barrios, actually. I was wrong in the prospect hall. Two of Toronto's top five prospects are headed to Minnesota. So uh, Minnesota lucks out like gangbangers on that one. But... Um, the White Sox, they go out and get Cesar Hernandez from the Indians. Another underrated move. The White Sox were looking for a second baseman. We th- thought Eduardo Escobar was going to be that guy. Um, Starling Marte from the A's uh, to to the A's from the Marlins. Uh, the A's give up a mid-level starter to get him. Not a whole lot, but this has already been, with the star power that's moving around, probably the craziest trade deadline I've seen in quite some time, and as of the time of recording, there's still two hours left for somebody to be dealt. Absolutely. Uh, th- this is one of those years where a lot of guys don't feel that they they're, 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 don't feel satisfied. They're not happy with um, 
exactly what they've got going on, and I, I'm, I'm glad. I think a lot of these teams weren't necessarily competing. Um, even some of the teams that were doing great in their own divisions, uh, like the Giants, I think you, you can't you can't necessarily look to skate by. You have to try your best to absolutely dominate the competition. 100%. 100% on the money right there. Uh, when we come back, uh, we got some NFL news to talk about, uh, and it's going to be fun. We'll get to it next. Back here on the score, Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside James Wilson, J-Dub, the Aaron Rodgers saga, at least for the next few months, appears to be subsided and, and somewhat wrapped up. Yeah. He's agreed to a reworked contract. He showed up for training camp and in his first ever press conference since all this started, no holds barred, unfiltered, cleared up everything in 15 minutes of audio. Yeah, I, uh, I went back and actually listened to that for the first time in full this morning. And the, the sad thing is, is he hasn't said anything that I've always been saying. I, I, I absolutely abhor the Packers organization, but I've always respected, um, God, I was about to say Brett Favre, but I've always absolutely respected Aaron Rodgers. And it's always been an organization that I think is, 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 is even when they were treating him like a king, uh, I, I felt that he deserved a little bit more. Um, I think you've got to be really careful when you have a superstar uh, who's willing to keep giving up and keep giving up and keep giving up. Uh, because at the end of the day, if all you do is take and you never give, uh, that person's going to find an upper, uh, that, for, that person's going to leave, right? And that, that's, that's in almost any relationship you can have in any walk of life. So an MVP quarterback uh, who could, in his, by, by my estimation and maybe by someone else's, maybe go to an organization who would take him seriously. And I think you've really got to be careful with disgruntling a guy like this so bad that he'll go to a, 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 a situation where he might not feel, hey, I might not win as many games, but at least they'll listen to me. At least they'll take me seriously. At least they'll treat me like a, a, like a man as a grown adult. And, that, and that's exactly what I think Green Bay should have should really, really snap on and uh, fix that immediately. Yeah, 100%. And there's nothing that Aaron Rodgers said that surprised me in any way. Uh, all of it, I, I kind of had an idea and, and I knew was what it was all about. It One, it was never about the money. It came out that the Packers offered him a contract in which the only other person in the entirety of sports that would be paid more than him would be Lionel Messi. Like they threw international soccer money at him and he turned it down. Mm -hmm. That shows you what it was about. He talked about the, the way that a lot of the, the veterans core guys. And I, I talked about it the whole time. He wanted to say in the people that were around him, right? The core group that was around him, right. guys that he felt were great locker room guys that he felt he should have an input on because He's the quarterback. He's the leader. He knows what goes on in that locker room better than anyone else. You know, he said he went out and talked to a lot of those guys and about how, you know, disgruntled they were about either not receiving an offer or, or, or being lowballed. Micah Hyde, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, James Jones, Randall Cobb. Now they go out and trade for Randall Cobb, basically at Aaron Rodgers' request. 
So now you pair him with Amari Rodgers in the slot, and that makes that offense uh, even better receiving-wise, add some depth to that receiving core. But everything that Aaron Rodgers said was 100% what I expected. All he wanted was the input that he felt he had earned and deserved as someone that had given as much to that team and that fan base and that organization as he had. And he said that outright. He said that, you know, in February it all started. This wasn't a draft day thing. Um, He basically called out Adam Schefter. Uh, But he said it wasn't a draft day thing. It started in February. And in March he said, look, I know what you did. You drafted my replacement. If he's the guy, do what you did with me and Brett Favre and just cut the cord and move on. And they said, no, 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 we don't want to do that. Then they threw the money at him and he said, okay, if I'm going to stay here, here's what needs to happen. I need to have a say. I feel like I've earned a say. And he 100% has earned that say. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the Packers caved on that and the reworked deal now would make him basically an unrestricted free agent after 2022. The 2023 year's been voided. But after this season, there's going to be a sit-down chat, as there was after last season, as to where things stand. The part of that deal that's not been made public, that's been reported, is that that sit-down discussion will involve, okay, does Aaron think he's in a good enough spot to stay here for 2022? Or if he requests a trade, the Packers basically signed off and said, we agree to trade you if you're still not happy. Yeah. I, I, Green Bay needs to learn one message. Um, and it's pretty simple. Money does not buy loyalty when loyalty is not also in the equation. You cannot pay Aaron Rodgers to be loyal to you when you're not going to be loyal to him outside of just signing a fat check. That's not enough anymore. Maybe in the 80s, but not in the 2020s. 100% right. And look, again, all he wanted was to say in the people that were around him. And if this is how he gets it, then this is how he gets it. Um, That's fine with me. Now he's going to go out with, with a vengeance again and try and build off uh, an, an MVP season. There are other storylines to get to, though, in the National Football League, one of which just came about and in the last moments after we started recording. Carson Wentz, he's out indefinitely uh, with a foot injury. He's going to get that looked at, but that's a potential big thing for the Indianapolis Colts right now uh, if he can't come back. Um, but there's, a, there's, there's still... <laughs> Um, some other storylines to get to as far as the NFL goes. We talked about, uh, we, we know we're going to talk about the Panthers here. Sam Darnold's got expectations um, out the wazoo as, as to what he could potentially do. Um, players and coaches have been sounding off on these vaccine requirements on, on either the positive or negative side of things. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's been wild Did as far Michael as to Beasley's see where team? guys stand. I did not. Michael Beasley, I, it, it, it was so funny because it was so dumb and it made zero sense to me, and I had no idea what he was trying to say by this, but he said... Cole Beasley, you mean? Yeah, excuse me. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Cole yeah, Beasley. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see what he said. Yeah, you said Malik Beasley or Michael yeah. Beasley. I was yeah, I confused. Said, I was like, <laughs> Malik Beasley, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, I'm not anti-vax, but I'm anti-vax. What does that even mean? 
that no, no one knows. Like, <laughs> what literally are you no, talking about? With, with all these variants spreading, I mean, the NFL's put the rule in place, okay? There's teams that are below that vaccine threshold. Ron Rivera publicly called out his guys and said, I am ashamed that our team is below 70% of us are vaccinated. Period. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. That's a very Ron Rivera thing to say. Look, Ron Rivera just beat cancer in the middle of a pandemic. You think he wants to test positive for COVID? No. Yeah, I don't think he's willing to take that risk. I don't think he's willing to take most risks. Uh, I, I I saw um, some some people sounding off on Twitter trying to, to gotcha him or get him in some way. And I say shame on you to that. He's a head coach. He's always been someone who's not going to hold back on his opinion. And I celebrate people being opinionated and being strong-willed in what they believe in, even if it's something I don't necessarily agree with. And personally, on the um, vaccination side with athletes, I think I would recommend athletes get vaccinated, in my own opinion, by my own estimation. But I would not ever require it by any league. I would not require it as a team. I would not require it as a coach or as a league or as anything. Um, I would simply recommend it and, and, and try and encourage those to do it on their own free will. And that's the problem, is the second any sort of athlete said, well, I don't know if I want to get this shot, they started forcing it on him, and they started making it known that if you don't get it, you're going to be shunned or worse. And and, and that's the exact worst response you can do um, in this kind of situation. When you do that kind of stuff, of course an athlete is going to push back. That's all they've ever known is, is fighting harder. They're athletes. That's what they do. Exactly, and if, if anybody's a fighter uh, among the group that we've just discussed, it's 100% Ron Rivera. Uh, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson finally signed their contracts. They're in, and you would assume, starters for both the Broncos and the New York Jets. The uh, Dak Prescott back for camp fully healthy. He's going to come back with a vengeance this year. Um, this is, without having a preseason last year, this is really the first year I'm I'm genuinely excited for the preseason. Not only because we get to see more of some guys, but we get to see some of what was a really, really strong draft class and kind of, kind of get their bearings here. Right. Uh, th- this, is, this is one of the better draft classes we've seen in a long time. There was talent that was, I mean, absolutely bursting at the seams. All the way into the third, fourth round, people that were incredibly exciting, uh, and guys that you didn't necessarily didn't think would go that low, but there's only so many picks available in so many rounds, so this is kind of how it played out. So I think most teams, if not every team, is excited about at least one prospect that they were able to pick up this year. So that being said, in a sport where you basically get drafted and you're playing right away, and uh, you can be good right away in the NFL, because that's just how it works. I think you're going to have one of the better NFL years in a long time, especially coming off of where a year where Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. Uh, everybody, I think most people thought the Chiefs were, would, would pull out and win it all, but Tom Brady actually was able to get the job done after having a pretty poor season, especially halfway through that season. So it's almost like a cultural reset. It's it's exactly like what we talked about with the NBA, with the Bucks winning that title. Um, it, it resets a lot of people, and, and then you feel like, oh, this is something I can be excited about again. And I, I think the Tom Brady title did the exact same thing. It set off a ripple effect um, 
across the league on both sides, the NFC and AFC, that people are almost gagging up like, okay, we can't let him win another one. Somebody's got to do something, okay? Um, and that's it's not just people in the NFC. You saw the Chiefs go out and get people. The Titans went out and got Julio Jones, for God's sake. I mean, uh, there's no more playing around from anybody that feels like they're contenders. They're, they're coming after things. One more storyline I want to get to, and I think this is hilarious. Kelvin Benjamin, who's trying to make a comeback as a tight end, mm-hmm. was cut by the New York Giants for, get this, stealing food from the team cafeteria. Jeez. The guy, was cut by the, the guy was cut by the Carolina Panthers for being overweight, trying to come back as a tight end, and then is cut for sneaking food from the team cafeteria and then calls out the coaching staff for being incompetent. That is grown man work. Grown man work or just absolute Dead hilarity? Man work. Yeah, that's uh, that's not something I think you would have ever expected. Uh, a position change. Um, that's a, that's an Eddie Lacy type beat right there. <laughs> Very much an Eddie Lacy type beat. That is absolutely insane. That is bonkers. Uh, by the way, most of these football teams have great uh, kitchens. I've personally been to the one. That, that's, that's actually really funny, the Eddie Lacy comparison. That's still getting me. Uh, like, I've been to the one in Dallas for the star. The thing is massive, and it's always operating. Uh, there's I don't know what food. kind of food they have at the Giants facility that could be better than anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, you are you are you poor? Can you not afford it? It's gourmet food. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's New Jersey for God's sake. They don't need anything. I mean, it's probably deep fried rat. It's probably it's probably just White Castle scraps. I oh, mean, exactly. Yeah, it's the little holes punched out of the burger patties. <laughs> You know? It's just a bunch of boxes of frozen French fries. Oh, God, yes, oh, yes. Good Lord. With that, I think it's time to say goodbye for this week. Goodbye. Um, MLB trade deadline is going to be wild. Um, we'll see what happens with Carson Wentz as well. NHL free agency is not done by any stretch of the imagination, so there is a lot of fun to be had this weekend and as we go into August. For everyone here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio and for James Wilson, Brett Wiseman saying so long for this week.